Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Soon as he was no build, not facing any criminal charges, the NFL floodgates opened. He was like, nah, man, retirement, six weeks? Nah, I'm back in the game. Now, everybody knows that Kanye has issues. You got to let it go. Love TKO. It's not what you get. It's what you do with what you get. He's changed the landscape of the NFC and the NFL just by saying I'm coming back. And he's still shooting it 30 times a game. (laughs) He comes with it every single night. But it's kind of like that brick wall, man. You can't keep running head on into that brick wall. Running in the players all at 100% speed with guts and character. But it's all jacked up. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are joining us. And a shout out to all the people who are tuning in for the very first time. And a shout out to all of those who listen to me each and every episode. And finally, a shout out to all of the people who understand and truly believe that Eddie Murphy belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Welcome aboard for another great show. It's an epic one because it's episode 250 i don't know if that makes it epic but in my mind it's a significant accomplishment to make 250 episodes and i could not have done it without you guys so thank you thank you thank you for all the support and for listening and commenting and calling in to the sports line and let me tell you about the sports line because if you're tuning in for the very first time we aim to be very interactive and we've provided a 24-hour day sports line for you to call if you have a question comment suggestion request any of those things 832 832- 941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. In addition to that, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. Be a part of the group. They're posting every single day. You don't want to miss that. You can post about your favorite team, your favorite player, your favorite sport, any of those things, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. And you can like the fan page. Also, there's a website. Won't get into the website. Thought it would be resolved? Not quite yet. But it's wadeswordproductions.com. When it's up, you can go back and listen to past episodes and get familiar with who we are and what we do and who's talking and a little bit about them. So those are ways to be interactive and involved. So this time out, we have a fun episode for you. We have our guy from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown, former NFL wide receiver. He is a Miami native and he is a Miami Dolphins fan and expert. So we'll talk to him about the Miami Dolphins and goings on around the NFL, more specifically the AFC. Huge news again today. We'll do that and we'll catch up with you on some other things in headlines in addition to that we have a Lamont award for the big dummy of the episode and we'll hear from our resident DJ DJ Anarchy he will be on the mix all of that and a whole lot more so let's get started with the aforementioned headlines In headlines, a number of things happened in the world of sports since last we spoke. I mean, a lot is going on. This is a very, very busy time in baseball and college basketball and basketball in the NFL. And the NFL, again, steals the headlines of the day with the Kansas City Chiefs trading Tariq Hill to the Miami Dolphins for five picks. Five picks. A number one, a number two, two number fours, and a number six. So how is that for a haul? And they've re-signed him uh, to an extension, which guarantees him a hundred. Well, it's a hundred thirty million dollar deal. I think that's right. Seventy two million dollars are uh, guaranteed to Tyree Hill. So here's the deal. So there's a lot going on with this trade. And I will say this: some trades, one team wins, one team loses. Some trades, both teams win. In this case. 
I think both teams lose. Because, and this is, just go with me here. Tyreek Hill means a lot to Kansas City. He really did some things to open up stuff underneath for Travis Kelsey. And his production and his chemistry and his connection with Pat Mahomes, he's, I won't say irreplaceable, boy, but it'll be hard to have a guy, replace that guy with, I don't know, who, how many guys you have to use. Now, all offseason, we thought that the Kansas City Chiefs needed to improve that receiving core. I, well, I thought. I don't know what others thought. I thought, hey, you need that third guy. You, you got Kelsey uh, at tight end. You have Tyreek Hill. And you need that third guy that you can count on. And, and I guess they like McCole Hardman. But I will say this. I thought they needed an upgrade. And they got one early in the week with the signing of Juju Smith-Schuster from Pittsburgh. So you think, okay, now you got that other guy on the other side to go with Kelsey and Hill. Well, now you lose Hill, and they pick up a first rounder this year, so they have the 29th and the 30th pick. But I think for what he did, now I understand Kansas City could not. I mean, they just could not pay this guy $30 million a year. It's just they couldn't afford it. No shade to him, nothing to indicate that he's on the downside. They just could not afford that contract, and they gave him permission to go out and seek a deal. He did. There were two teams in the running, the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. Of course, he chose the Miami Dolphins, much to the elation of our very own Reggie Brown, and we'll talk to him about that. But I don't think that he's going to give Miami what they think they can get from him especially long-term. Now, if you look at it on paper, him and Jalen Waddle, and you add Cedric Wilson from Dallas Cowboys and Gusecki, the tight end, and then you add Chase Edmonds, and then you have Raheem Mostert from San Francisco. I tell you, Mike McDaniel has great personnel on the offensive side of the football, but will he do for Miami what he did for Kansas City? I don't I don't know. I mean, now that, losing the picks – I don't know that that will hurt them necessarily because they have a lot of picks. They have more picks next year. They have picks. So it may not hurt them in that way. But will they get the bang for the buck? And does that make them a better team than the Buffalo Bills? Give me your thoughts on that. 832-941-6614. Of course, the Patriots, are are we just writing them off? Are, Are they done? Do we not think that Bill Belichick can ever do it again? Was it just all about Brady and nothing else? Or will they bounce back with Mac Jones? I don't know. What do you think? I will say no. I don't think that they will. I don't think they'll fall all the way off. I don't think they'll be a horrible team like they've been. But I think that, uh, boy, clearly Buffalo and now Miami have a lot more talent than New England Patriots. So let's see. I mean, a lot of moves left to be made. So we'll have to see what Bill Belichick and the Patriots have in store for them. So that's a huge, huge deal. Man, I hate it for the Chiefs, and I do think that that knocks them down a notch. I think that they are no longer a favorite for the AFC Championship. Or maybe they are. Let's think about that. I don't think they're a favorite to go to the Super Bowl. The Bills have gotten better. They added Von Miller. You look at all the other teams in their division, they've gotten better. Can you say that about Kansas City? Yeah, they've had some additions to the offensive line. Maybe they'll be better up front. Maybe they will draft well. Maybe they're not done in free agency. But right now, as it stands, other teams around them have gotten better. Remember, Khalil Mack is a charger now. So other teams around them have gotten better. So does that take them out of the mix to go to the Super Bowl? I, I think it does in a lot of ways. And there are going to be some surprises in the AFC. A surprising team that has jumped out of nowhere, of course, is the Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Watson. And I want to get to Deshaun in just a moment. But another team that I think will surprise. And and look at this. Surprising can be good or surprising can be bad. And I think on a surprisingly bad side, you may find the Cincinnati Bengals. You may find the L.A. Chargers. You may find the Denver Broncos, but the surprising better teams will maybe be the Cleveland Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's a mistake to write them off. 
is Mitchell Trubisky uh, the face of the franchise and the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl success? I don't think so. <laughs> Not at all. But I think that that is a great organization. They know how to win football games. They're not going to just roll over. That's a Mike Tomlin coach team. They're not going that far. Even if they fall off like they did this year, they're not going to fall all the way off the map, and they'll never be an easy win for any team. Think about it. They have Watt and some guys on defense, and then they have some pieces, Najee Harris on offense, Claypool, so they're not going to just go away. So they may be a surprise team. But the team that you may want to look for are the Indianapolis Colts. With the addition of Matt Ryan, that team looks a heck of a lot better. And again, I know people are just going to beat me up for Matt Ryan. But I think people have been unfair to him and his abilities as a quarterback. This dude was the MVP in this league. Now, you can say he's shot and he's done and what have they done in Atlanta, blah, 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 and he'll make mistakes. He's not Carson Wentz. Let's see how much he has left in the tank, but this guy knows how to win football games. He went to the Super Bowl, had a 28-3 lead. He knows how to play some football, and then you put that guy with seven or eight Pro Bowl players. I'm telling you, man, you look out. You look out because their division is not – it's the easiest division in the AFC. It really is. You have two games against Jacksonville. You have two games against the Texans. And then you have uh, to battle it out with Tennessee, which Tennessee had Robert Woods. That's not a bad move if he can come back healthy. I like that guy. And it's personal for me because he made me a lot of money in fantasy football. So there's that. So let's get to Cleveland. Let's get to Deshaun Watson. So when last we spoke, Deshaun Watson was still a Texan. He's now a Cleveland Brown. The Texans get a nice haul for him, and that was to be expected. And he's gotten $230 million in guaranteed money, whole contract guaranteed. So here's what I want to talk about with Deshaun Watson. So one thing you will hear from a lot of people is that the Deshaun Watson saga started because he wanted to be traded and the Texans taught him a lesson he got in the crosshairs of the texans and boy he was done for well let me tell you this if the texans want to put me in their crosshairs after what they did to deshaun watson i will take it because all of this sabotage of of deshaun watson and it, you know they just they, they plotted against him Bro, this guy is going to walk away with $10.5 million this past season for not working. Sign me up for that. Give me $10.5 million for not working. And then a guaranteed contract to a team I wanted to play for. I picked Cleveland. And now I get $230 million guaranteed, the highest guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL. So if they were gunning for him, they did a bang-up job. And if you want a gun for me and I'll get $240 plus million, hey, I'll take that. The other part of that is when you, when you say stuff like that, you don't go back and read some of the allegations. Now, again, none of this has to do with guilt or innocence. None of this. Because I don't know, wasn't there, read the, uh, some of the allegations. I know that they're taking depositions. They're 22 women. How can you account for some of his personal choices? How can you account for that? And, and some of those choices lead to sketchy imaginings of what he really was looking for. Now, again, I'm not here to try the case of Deshaun Watts. He's not a, a criminal according to a Harris County grand jury. Whether he will lose in a civil court case or not, I don't know. He, got, he has to go 22-0 in that situation. And maybe he wins. So wh Whatever. But I'm saying to you is, the Texans went on Instagram for him? Did the Texans reach out to people who were not even really masseuses? Did, did the Texans fly women in from Atlanta and Los Angeles? I mean, some of these facts are not contested at all by either side. Those are the facts of the case. So do you, you think Cal McNair like, I'll show this N-word. You're not going to ask to be traded from me. 
It was never in the Texans' interest. Now, again, I'm not a Texans defender because I, I think the organization has some huge issues and they're getting worse. I, I've been banging against the Texans for a long, long time. But you have to say that what Deshaun was doing didn't make sense if everything was above board. And even if things weren't above board, I, I'm sure that there are ways to do things differently than the way it seems as though he was trying to proceed. Now, again, I'm not saying he's guilty, but what I'm saying is he did a lot of this. If he truly needed a masseuse, then he could have gotten with any number of his teammates, any number of people uh, that the organization could have connected him with the league players from around the NFL. He could have gotten those things that he needed. If this was really just a strictly football-related thing. So one of the ladies was like a physical therapist. She wasn't even a masseuse. One did makeup. And, I mean, so you, you got to go back and read these things. And, and so all I'm saying is this. The Texans had no real motive to destroy him because he's the only face of the franchise. DeAndre Hopkins gone. Andre Johnson retired. J.J. White is in Arizona. He was it. He was the only thing to sell tickets, and the community loved him. And so why would you ruin that and squander that and ruin his reputation and get nothing in return? If you just destroy him, and if he goes to prison, you don't get anything. If he got indicted and went to jail, you got nothing. As it stands, you got a lot back in return. And so now you have the roots of what can grow into a decent organization if you pick well. So do I believe in the innocence of NFL owners? No. There's some dirty, deceptive people who own NFL teams. We know that. That's not even an opinion. We've seen some of the behavior. We've heard some of the statements. So I'm not pro-NFL owner in this situation. But please stop saying this, that, oh, they were plotting to bring this brother down. How are you plotting to bring this man down? He made $10.5 million for not working, for not working. He wasn't suspended. He got paid. And then he got to pick where he went next. He got everything he wanted. Now, again, the other stuff is the other stuff. I'm not going to say if he's guilty or not. I don't know. I have no real opinion about that. But what I do know is he made the call. He connected with people on social media. Wasn't Cal McNair. Wasn't Nick Casario. Wasn't Jack Easterby. Now, some people say, well, he just has these fetishes and, and you know, uh, the, the Texans want to expose that. Well, some people you'll never be able to convince, but it just was, it would not serve him. You're talking about, like, billionaires. People with, I mean, wealth. Not money, with wealth. I don't know. And maybe they could be, but I don't, I don't know how to think like a billionaire. I don't think, I don't know how to think like that, but I cannot imagine that his first inclination, I'm talking about Cal McNair or his mother, their first inclination would be, we're going to tear up our franchise and destroy him in the process. Everything is not the young and the restless, man. This was not sound decisions by this young man, whether they are, Criminal or not, obviously they're not criminal. Whether it will rise to the level in which he will lose civil suits, we'll see. But again, he has to go 22-0 and unless he settles. And we'll see what the NFL decides to do after that. So with that, going to take a time out, come back on the other side with a whole lot more. We still have Reggie Brown and Lamont Award and a whole lot more. Give me your thoughts on all of that. 832-941-6614. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. 
So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Well, the NCAA tournament is well underway, and those Houston Cougars continue to do it big in a major way. Congratulations to the Univate Cougars who play. I'm recording in this Wednesday, so they'll play Thursday night in San Antonio. And they'll take on the number one seed in the South, the Arizona Wildcats. And I will tell you this, man. I love watching a Kelvin Sampson coach basketball team. This team, the tenacity, they just keep coming. It's amazing to watch because it's all effort. That team was supposed to be done when Sasser went out and then they lost another guy that two top leading scorers. This is after losing a couple guys that went on to the NBA or a guy or two that went on to the NBA last year. So Kelvin Sampson continues to do his thing and it's through tenacity and just hard, hard defense. They are a fun team to watch defensively. There have been a few teams in the NCAA that have been fun to watch defensively. You talk about the amoeba of uh, UNLV or the 40 minutes of hell of Nolan Richardson and the, the matchup zone that Syracuse runs. There's some great defensive teams throughout the history of the NCAA. But I'm telling you, man, this team can rebound. They will defend, defend, defend. Offensive rebounding is huge for them. I like the upset tomorrow. So go Cougs! Get it done. You know, I will always be nostalgic about the Houston Cougars because I grew up when Five Jamma was at its height. I mean, at that the perfect time for me, uh, I was there to see and know and worship all of those guys on those Five Slamma Jamma teams. So whenever U of H does that, it harkens back to my childhood. So go Kelvin Sampson, go Cougs. You see his celebration without his shirt. That was something else. So I did watch the women in the SWAC, Jackson State, and they won a 21-game win streak. They just ran through the SWAC. An amazing season for Tamika Reed, the head coach of Jackson State Lady Tigers and that Lady Tiger team. I mean, just amazing season for them. They came up against LSU and Kim Mulkey, who left Baylor to go to LSU. Kim Mulkey, three national championships as a coach, couple as a player. Hall of Famer, she's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And I'm telling you, Jackson State whooped them. They, they had them. They had them. They missed free throws. They missed easy putbacks. They missed easy shots. And they just squandered the opportunity. I mean, just... I mean, I watched that intently. I watched that as close as I watched any game other than the U of H game this weekend. And that's with Baylor and UNC, which that was a bizarre game. 25-point lead in the second half. Baylor came back and tied it, sent it into overtime. And somehow, someway, Hubert Davis and those Tar Heels recovered. But I watched that game intently. I watched the end of TCU in Arizona, which, again, the kid was fouled. The officiating has been a huge issue on the men's side and the women's side. Even in the game where U of H beat Illinois, uh, the kid gets a technical foul for hanging on the rim. That was a horrible call. It went in the Cougars' favor, <laughs> so I was happy about that part. <laughs> but it was wrong. It was a bad call. But going back to Jackson State and LSU, that was an intense game. It got chippy. It was some controversial calls. And with all that being said, Jackson State had a lead late in that game, could not close the deal, could not make free throws. LSU kept coming. So here's the controversy. A lot of people upset again on Twitter about this. So Kim Mulkey tells Coach Reed for Jackson State. She says, whispers, I don't know if she whispers or just told her in the handshake line. Said, look, you did a great job, blah, blah, blah. She said, you won't be at Jackson State long unless they pay you. So people took that as a, I guess, as a, an intent to poach her from a HBCU. 
And I just, some of the stretches I don't, I really don't get like, Oh, that's not a compliment. That's a put down. And what, what do you mean? And you're going to come and, and rip us of our talent, which again, that's, that's what happens. What happens is uh, you'll have a coach on any lower level that succeeds or, or has more challenges than bigger programs. And they poach those people see it in football all the time. A coach that'll win at a small school, they'll, Snatch him up. U of H has had that happen to them in football three different times. Bryles, Sumlin, who was the other one uh, that just left? The guy that went to Texas. So they develop these coaches and they succeed with these coaches and they get poached by a bigger paycheck. Texas came and got one. A&M came and got the other. And Baylor came and got the other. So that's what sort of happened. So I don't know that that was a – Oh, like you're she didn't say you're better than working at Jackson State. She didn't say that. She just said, hey, the way you're coaching this team and what you did and what I saw you do against my team. Yeah, you're going to get paid. And I think that's a uh, unfortunately, (laughs) that is a real possibility. Because, of course, ideally you would want someone to stay. But and, and here's the other part of that. A lot of people who are saying this stuff. A lot of people who are complaining about, oh, they just, you know, she, what, what, she got to go to a white school. She can't stay with the black school. You would leave your job tomorrow for a $15,000 raise. What she would be looking at would probably be in the neighborhood of six dollars to $700,000, somewhere in there. And even more when you talk about the life of a contract. And I think it would be unfair to persecute Coach Reed if she did leave for that. Because we just had the same discussion about Dion. Deion Sanders, people tell me this all the time. We had this on KTSU Sports Talk. They say stuff like, well, here's the deal with Deion. You know, he's gonna, those big schools are going to come and get him because they're going to come with a, a, you know, a big paycheck. And I'm like, well, no, he says that this is his mission. This is his calling. You can't leave. I mean, you can. You can always leave. But if this is your calling, you're not doing this for the money. But other people will be really, I mean, understanding if he were to leave, for Florida State or some other power five school that's going to pay him five to seven to eight million dollars a year. It's just the reality of the circumstances. So while I'm not, a, again, I'm not defending Kim Mulkey at all, but in this case, I didn't see any kind of ill intent or saying that you're too good for HBCU or you're too good for the swag. She's saying that, and she didn't even say you were going to leave. She said, unless they're going to pay you. Because they're going to have to come up with a lot of money to keep her because of the coaching job she did. We see that in so many schools. The hottest coaching commodities get snapped up. They're not always from HBCUs. You see it in a lot of conferences where you snap somebody up. The big schools eat the small schools. They'll take their talent. So that was a tempest in a teapot. I don't think that that was a very controversial thing. So... That being said, going to take one more time. I, I want to talk about Carlos Correa on the other side and our conversation with Reggie Brown. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Anarchy. 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 Anarch
question, just free your mind. Uh, that's the weapon, the world you can't reject your expression. Hey, I need extra help when I express myself. Come on, so you should come along with your sexy self. And I can only imagine how your ex is felt. She can't keep her pants on, she need an extra belt. Bending corners in my black jeans, look at me creep. Thick bitch in a blue body suit that look like mistake. Your technique's kinda unique, it's easy to sleep. And it's easy to get me hard, cause your rivers is deep. How you doing? Monumental. On the mix, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Check him out on SoundCloud. Check him out on Instagram. Show him how much we appreciate him. Send him some love. DJ Anarchy on the mix. And I want to remind you guys, if you have music you want played on the podcast, just hit us up. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter as long as it's radio edit. We'll try to work it in. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the episode um some more bad news for houston fans it's kind of rough man i mean the astros have been the only bright light in this city but (laughs) that was dimmed quite a bit when carlos Correa signed his three-year deal with the uh, minnesota twins he's gonna make 35 million dollars he's the fourth highest paid baseball player and the highest paid infielder in all of baseball he can opt out after one year and he can opt out after the second year (laughs) so uh, we'll have to see what happens here was what i heard today from him as they introduced him they said that he he said he hadn't heard from the astros After the lockout. This is all mixed up to me. I don't understand why he made this deal. Other than, I mean, obviously he's going to make money. And then he has a short-term deal where he can control some stuff. I think the Astros are offering him five years, $160 million. So he'll make a little bit more money. But you factor in state income tax in Minnesota. And the fact that you're in Minnesota. Love Minnesota. Never been there. Actually, I've never been to Minnesota. Never been to Minnesota. Love Prince. Love Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. Love Morris Day. <laughs> Andre Simone. Can I keep going? Jesse Johnson. <laughs> the family. I mean, can you want me to keep going? I can. So anyway, I like the music of Minnesota. Never been to Minnesota. but Minnesota? Really? Bro. So I'm not mad at him. I think he was disappointed in the offers that were coming his way. This way, he can reset and go for it again after next year if he wants to opt out. And, and again, I just... This is like Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill means more to Kansas City than he will mean to Minnesota. And I will say that Carlos Correa means more in this clubhouse for this team than he will in Minnesota. Even if he helps to lead and change the culture in Minnesota, it's not what you have here. It's just not what relationships uh, you've created and the leadership you've displayed and the connection with the city of Houston. Look, we have trauma bonded with the Astros through the cheating scandal. Okay. We love those guys and we rode for them. They rode for us. And I thought that he would continue to ride. I think the Astros, how do you not reach out? How do you not reach out after the lockout? Because it seemed like, Everybody thought, oh, he may be back. And it seemed like that was because maybe the Astros were working back channels trying to bring him back in. Not happening. They didn't do it. That I'm disappointed in. At least reach out. At least reach out. But I guess they gave him their best offer, and that was it. The five-year deal would have been great. But he wanted the – I guess he wants the flexibility to be out on the market, and he could be in one year from now. (laughs) <laughs> so we'll have to see what he decides to do. But, boy, what a huge loss. I'm telling you, man, I love that dude for this city. I mean, there are a few athletes that just belong to the city, and he really could have been one of those. He could have been this generation's, I guess, what? Who do you want to say? Nolan Ryan, Brizio Bagwell, Warren Moon, Akeem Olajuwon, guys that were Clyde Drexler, guys just for this city, for the H. He was for the H. And I am shocked. I am shocked that he went to Minnesota. But such is life. With that, let's get into our conversation with a guy from our special teams unit. Talking about former NFL wide receiver and great part of the show, Reggie Brown. Talking some NFL and some Miami Dolphins. And Reggie, it must be like Christmas in March for you with all the acquisitions 
for your beloved Miami Dolphins. Talk a little bit about the big news. Tyreek Hill joins the Miami Dolphins. And this is after a week where you've added some other key pieces that are less heralded, but more are just as important as the acquisition of Tyreek Hill. Talk about the Tyreek Hill trade. Well, I think the trade had to happen. You look at what's been going on in the AFC with Adam Devontae Adams and Adam Russell Wilson and all of these players to the AFC. And without the Dolphins making a splash, and I'm talking about a huge splash, we wouldn't have been able to compete. And so Miami is on fire. Check your pulse. It's football time. So, okay, the deal, you get the Dolphins give up a first rounder this year the 29th overall pick. In addition to that, they give up two fourth rounders and a, let's see, that's, that's three, uh, no, a second rounder, two fours and a six. Is that right? That, I, that's all yes. the, the compensation yes. right there. So what, yes. uh, what do you think of giving up that for him? Well, you, you correctly stated that we've made some other splashes in free agency. We got two offensive linemen, that we uh, really, really needed. We got Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys that we, another receiver that we really needed. Defensively, we re-signed Ogba, who was a staple on the defense. And so I think we'll be fine missing those draft picks. Also, in 23, we have two first-round draft picks. So we could certainly have some capital to come back if for some reason we saw a pair that we really wanted that we can come back and get. So I think the Dolphins are in really, really good shape and most importantly really really good shape for a long time let's chop this up a little bit so this is sort of my take on this and you can sort of counter this so i'm I'm thinking that this is a deal that probably is not good for anybody other than tyreek hill's accountant (laughs) because i don't i think the way they were able to use him in kansas city was so unique he's so meant for that offense I don't know that he can max out in Miami in the same way. What are your thoughts on on that and how he can be utilized? Well, you think about Mike McDaniels, the head coach, coming from the offensive coordinator in San Francisco and what they did with Debo Samuels and how they were able to move him around. And I I think McDaniels is pretty much an offensive genius. And when you have Tyreek Hill on the football field, you find a way to get him the ball. You find a way to put him in positions to make plays. And so I don't see any problem with the Dolphins finding a way. And I don't see any drop-off in his statistics, his touchdowns. In fact, I think with the receiving core, with Jalen Waddle there, Mike Kosicki is a solid, solid tight end. The Dolphins will have a good running game with Moser coming from San Francisco who knows the offense. Chase so Edmonds, I, I, too, and Gaskin. So there's a trio of running backs there in Miami. Yeah, so I think offensively, similar to what they did in San Francisco, you're going to be able to do a lot of different things, which ultimately, and, and you said that Tyreek Hill accountant, Um, is probably the most happy. I would say Tua is the most happy because (laughs) now he gets an opportunity for no excuses. He has an offensive line, which he's never had in Miami. He has playmakers, which he's never had in Miami. And so now he gets to show his real talent. And I've been watching videos of him practicing. Um, He's been putting a lot of... You can't go to the practice card, Reggie. You can't go to the practice card. We all look good in practice. What I think is... (laughs) I think it's looking good, but I think it's getting better is the point that I'm making, that he's working on his game because now he knows and everybody else knows he has no excuses. And I expect that this year um, he's going to shine, and I'm just excited. I'm ready for some football. Skip preseason. Skip all of that. Let's get to game one. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, and I know the folks of Miami are excited. Let me ask you this, because this is some of the stuff I've seen on social media, and you are more connected with the Miami community in that way. There's a little bit of a backlash and a little bit of resentment that the Dolphins didn't put forth this sort of effort for Brian Flores. What's your take on that? Is that something that is just, hey, it was a matter of timing? I don't think they're connected, but a lot of folks feel like, man, if Flores would have had this, he certainly would still be the head coach. What are your thoughts? 
So I think, and I've said this about Miami, synergy matters. And I don't think that Flores, for whatever reason, was on the same page with the general manager, and that matters. Also, if you think about Miami's offense in the Flores era, they had three different offensive coordinators while he was there. And so each year there was a difference in philosophy. And so Miami clearly has a style of football that they want to play with this head coach. And I think that's the difference. I feel bad for Flores. You know, I think he was a good coach. There are some other things that, you know, he. I think that he has to grow from and learn from. But it's all about the Dolphins for me. I, 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 I love Mike McDaniels and what he's doing. And I like the synergy that they have as an organization as a whole. So the question is, I mean, everything is moving to the AFC. All of, I mean, just every, yeah. all the heavyweights, including, and we'll get into some Indianapolis Colts stuff in just a second, but can this team dethrone the Buffalo Bills and get past the New England Patriots? I mean, obviously, head-to-head, -head, they've had some success against the Patriots, but can they win this division? I mean, I don't even count the Patriots. The Dolphins have beaten the Patriots at least once every year for the last four years. They they played them well. They know them well as an organization. And so I don't see that as an issue. I think that we can now have the conversation about Buffalo. Miami is just as talented football team as the Buffalo Bills. And again, I think it's going to come down to the quarterbacks. I mean, you have Josh Allen, who's a top five quarterback. And now where does Tua land? having the firepower that he has now? And is he able to keep up with them and make plays from the quarterback position? So if Tua reaches his full potential, if he reaches his full potential... It's over with. Well, well but let me ask you this. Where, was, where would he rank among quarterbacks? Because, again, you have a... I mean, it's top-heavy with Josh Allen, Mahomes, with Herbert, with Burrow, with Lamar Jackson. Now Deshaun Watson is coming back. How good can he be? Can he move to within those lofty heights of those other quarterbacks? Well, when you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC... All of them have different skill sets. And so the eye test will tell you some things. But when you say who's better, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, well, that's a matter of preference, right? Do you like the running quarterback in Lamar Jackson or do you like what Allen brings from Buffalo? Where does Russell Wilson fit in that? And so I don't think that Tua has to be the top quarterback in the league. What I think that's going to make him successful is, one, he's deadly accurate. Um, his accuracy throwing the football is probably unparalleled to some guys in the NFL. He's a smart guy. He may not have the lofty stats that they have, but you even see Miami in the last two years with him being a quarterback. I mean, with no offensive line, no receivers, no running game to speak of, Miami still won 10 games in the last two years. And so I think his head space is what's going to put him in the top quarterbacks along with his accuracy. And, and we'll find out his ability to throw the deep ball now. He could never really throw the deep ball because he never had time to throw it. He was getting knocked around every time he took a five, seven-step drop. So I want to ask about another quarterback, the Indianapolis Colts. And I think that that move, is really much, much more significant than people are giving credit to uh, because I think it's easy to beat up on Matt Ryan. But acquiring Matt Ryan on a team that had seven or eight all-pro players or Pro Bowl players, this team can certainly win their division. And defensively, if they can play up to their, their potential, this team can have some big-time success in the postseason. What do you think about the Colts acquiring uh, Matt Ryan and what will that do for that organization? Because, again, the AFC South is uh, a really weak division. I mean, you still have Tennessee there. And, of course, they'll have to make some moves. No more Julio Jones. And um, they added the, uh, Robert Woods. I don't know how healthy he'll be, but that's a huge acquisition for them on the other side of A.J. Brown. But what do you think of the Colts and, and them getting Matt Ryan? Well, I think he makes them an instant competitive team um, in the AFC that's already deep. And so, you know, in, in that division, you thought, okay, Tennessee and then the others. Now 
not only does he compete with Tennessee, but he becomes a weekly challenge for whoever is playing them in the AFC. And so the AFC is just going to beat each other up all year, and we'll see, you know, which five or six teams are left standing after that. There are going to be no easy outs in the AFC. You better... You know, it used to be you could depend on Cleveland to get a win. You could depend on even Jacksonville has made some moves. You don't know how that's going to work out. So each week in the AFC, you don't have to come prepared um, with your chin strap strapped and ready to go. Well, I know you didn't mention one acquisition in the AFC, and that's Buffalo getting Von Miller. <laughs> so that you're going to have to see that guy twice a year at least. So, yeah, that's that's something in that division. want to ask you about the. Vontae Adams because no sooner uh, than we wrapped up last episode, news came down that Devontae Adams is now an, a uh, Las Vegas Raider. What are your thoughts on what he'll do for Derek Carr? Uh, I mean, because we, we were talking about Derek Carr in a different context and, and you gave him quite a few props and now he has a huge, huge weapon. Talk a little bit about that acquisition. I mean, again, the AFC is just stacked. And now in the AFC West, there are no easy outs there. I mean, which team do you pick? Do you pick San Diego? Do you pick the Raiders? Who's going to win that decision? And he is an absolute game changer. In my mind, um, him him and Hopkins are the one, two receivers in the league. And you bring that guy to a team that already has a dynamic tight end and Walker who also can play some receiver and some slot and do all of those things. And the Raiders already had a solid defense. It just makes for an exciting, exciting offense. Saying all of that makes me start to think about the AFC in terms of which defenses are going to be able to withstand the pressures that they're going to see every week. And so when I think about the AFC and who's going to win and what the teams are going to come out on top, I start looking at the defenses because all of the offenses are going to be good. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned Indianapolis. Obviously, towards the end of the year and the last game especially, they were just – awful and just blew an opportunity to go to the playoffs but Darius Leonard and some of the pieces that they have on defense are I mean they they are some a really nice defensive team Tennessee is Buffalo is so I think you're exactly right when you talk about the defenses in the AFC that is not they're not getting a lot of attention but those are the things that may very well make the difference in the AFC Deshaun Watson of course goes to Cleveland teaming up with Amari Cooper and then Joku and and of course, the the tandem in the backfield. What do you think about how good Cleveland can be in that AFC North? Man, every week, right? The black and blue division, and that's what it's going to be. But when you add Deshaun Watson to that division, in my mind, they automatically become the odds-on favorite. I mean, when you can run the ball the way that they'll be able to run the ball with both of those running backs, you don't miss anything from either one of them. Both of them run the ball hard. Both of them can catch out of the backfield. And then you add a uh, guy like Amari, who I believe is a 1B receiver. I don't think he's, when he's your top receiver, he's not as effective. But when you give him Deshaun Watson, who can make all the throws, all of a sudden he becomes a better receiver. And so it's just wide open. I mean, you can go to each division and say there are two teams at a minimum in each division that can win the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's going to be some heartbreak because there's been a lot of money spent. (laughs) And some of those teams that spent the money is not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I can imagine uh, that there'll be a lot of disappointed folks with some of the money being thrown around, which is astronomical. Think about being a receiver these days and look at what Devontae Adams got and what Tyreek Hill got. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I have to believe, I mean, how many years can Tyreek play at this level doing what he's doing when his game is a speed game? Do you think for the whole sort of duration of the contract, he can play up to that? 
Well, besides the quarterback position, most of the contracts don't go to duration. They front load it with the guaranteed money, and that's really what you're looking at when you're talking about these contracts that the NFL is giving out. Years four and five of Tyreek, you know, he gets cut maybe if his if his productivity is Wayne Dolphin, you know, you take the cap hit and you don't give up all of that money. So for me, when I look at the NFL and these salaries, you're really looking at three years of production and the guaranteed money and the rest of it really doesn't matter. Yeah, a lot of it comes down to taking a cap hit like Atlanta with a $40 million cap hit on sending Matt Ryan uh, to the Indianapolis Colts. So, yeah, before we get out of here, this is a special show. This is episode 250 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And I want to thank you and, of course, Eddie and Kalina and Kevin and Terrence and all of the wonderful folks who've uh, made contributions. Of course, you're you're new to the fold, and we certainly enjoy uh, having you aboard. But, yeah, 250. Can you believe it? Well, I'll say this. I can believe it for one reason. I knew you as a young reporter finding your way in the NFL, being over at the facility when I was a young player at the Oilers and watching you work and seeing the way you grind, seeing the way that you got interviews, the way that you met up where the players were. Uh, This does not surprise me that you've uh, reached the 250-show plateau, and I think that this is just the beginning of the great things that you're going to do, and more importantly, the great things that God has for you. Hey, man, well, I certainly appreciate it. And again, hey, teamwork makes the dream work, and having you aboard has been wonderful. And we look forward to talking to you real soon because i'm gonna hit you up on some baseball and of course uh the, the yankees yeah also yeah in korea how about korea going to minnesota how about that one shocking man absolutely shocking that he went to minnesota i would have put that in the bottom seven teams of the league that he would have went to you think about korea and you automatically start thinking atlanta boston yankees those types of teams that you know want to win and and are willing to pay the money to win right now and the fact that he chose minnesota is really shocking to me yeah and he can opt out after year one so maybe and he's a sky boris guy right so I'm, he he's gonna get paid and he got the 35 million a year so uh, the highest paid infielder in all of baseball which is saying something any uh, predictions for the sweet 16 the elite eight and the final four well, you know, I'm a by nature a North Carolina fan. I started watching the Tar Heels um, in 1982 when Michael Jordan was there, and I've been riding with them since then. But I mean, you look at Houston is there, so I'm a homer. So I'm pulling pulling for Houston. I really like that Villanova team and what they do defensively and how they get after it. So I think it's going to be exciting down the stretch. I mean, all of the teams that are there in my mind, deserve to be there. You you saw some great basketball over the last weekend. Yeah, well, you brought up the 82 North Carolina Tar Heels, which uh, that Final Four was played in New Orleans, Louisiana. And in the semifinals, they beat the Houston Cougars, yeah. And here's the deal. Rob Williams, now they, I mean, the late great, rest in peace, Rob Williams, he had the worst game of his entire career that day. A lot of people said he hung out in the French quarters the night before, <laughs> but he had, the, he had the worst game of his entire career against uh, that North Carolina team. And, and again, I rem- and really, it was Worthy and Sam Perkins. Those were the guys. Darty was on that team. Was it? No, uh, no, that's pre uh, Kenny Smith. Kenny wasn't a contributor on the '82 team, but yeah, that was Sam. You, if you remember, like Sam Perkins was the guy on that team, yeah. and so was Worthy in '82. Worthy, yes, you're correct. Yeah, I mean, and of course, I watched. I mean, '83. Uh, it was Haywood and I go back and forth about '83 all the time. The, the let me ask you this real quick as we wrap up. So the worst sports loss. I have two of them. I mean, one of course was the Bills. And the Oilers. But my worst, my absolutely worst sports loss as a fan was the 83 Cougars to NC State in the, in the championship game in the NCAA Finals. What's your worst as a fan? Now, I'm, I'm not going to even put the pressure on you to talk about the Oilers because you were on the team. But 
as a fan, what was the absolute worst light loss of your life? The Dolphins uh, Super Bowl to San Francisco. And uh, the, what made it worse was that the Dolphins went to the Super Bowl and lost. But then the fact that Marino never went back to the Super Bowl after that makes it hurt even more. Yeah, and it seemed like that was the beginning of what was going to be many Super Bowl appearances, and it wasn't to be. So, yeah, I get that one. So, hey, man, well, we certainly appreciate it, and we'll talk to you real soon. Hey, man, take care, and congratulations on 250, bro. Hey, man, thank you so much. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Want to thank Reggie Brown, as always. Give us your thoughts on any of that. 832-941-6614. Well, you guys know what's coming next. But before I get to that, hey, this is episode 250, and I do want to take an opportunity to say thank you to all of you who've listened and supported and continue to listen throughout the years now as we've really learned the ropes, want to figure this entire thing out from the, the technological side of things, from the, the website stuff and the social media, all of those things we've had to figure out the format. Some things worked, some things didn't work. Some people were on board and are no longer on board. Not that they, you know, left for any other reason in life or they're doing their thing or whatever. Uh, but again, I want to thank, first and foremost, I want to thank my brother, Biscuit, Jordan Wade. Jordan Wade, for his whole life, has been my sounding board, but I always bounce stuff off of him. Now, he's not uh, on very much these days. I mean, he has kids and coaching and soccer practice and all of those things, so he can't be available, but he's always been my sounding boy, so I want to thank him. Couldn't have done it without him. want to thank uh, guys like Eddie Robinson, Terrence Harris. Man, Eddie, Eddie was a part of so many shows. Terrence, Reggie Brown, Kalina. Kalina's done so much. Now we got life on lock. Want to thank her. Uh, Want to thank uh, Kevin Allen. Want to thank all of the folks. Chili Bill Smith. A number of folks. Haywood Jeffries. Pat Coleman. My guys. uh, Always uh, thinking about uh, ways that they can support uh, the podcast. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for your support. 250. That's a big number. It's not 500. It's going to take us a while, but we'll keep working on that. And maybe one of these days we can come to you guys on a much more frequent basis. But with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preserver and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, the Lamont Award goes to a Portland Trailblazer. And I'm not talking about Dame Dollar. I'm talking about the center, Yusuf Nurkic. He was fined by the NBA $40,000 on Tuesday for confronting a fan at a game in Indiana and throwing... The young man's cell phone. That's what he did. And there's video of this. So whatever the young man said, and, and this is why this one is a tough one, because I get it. I, I've never had people just stand around and get dressed up, drive to the arena, pay lots of money to yell insults at me. So I, I wouldn't re- know how to relate to that. Now, I've had insults, but I never in person just feet away from me telling me I'm a bum or whatever. Whatever the young man said, whatever it was, it pissed off Nurkic so bad that he walked up to him. He wanted to slap him, and I'm glad he didn't because, again, I think the kid looked like a kid, young young person, younger person. I don't know, late teens, early 20s. I don't know. He looked like he wanted to put hands on him. He didn't. Instead, he snatched his cell phone and threw the cell phone. So, again, we had a guy in Calvin Ridley, who spent $1,500 bet, cost him $11 million. Well, this was probably, uh, what, $800, $900 phone, cell phone, whatever they're paying for the latest phones. I'm good to not have a flip phone. So I didn't pay that kind of money. Whatever they're charging for a, a pretty good cell phone, uh, hundreds of dollars, it ended up costing them $40,000. Now, was the NBA a little bit excessive? That's a lot of money, but you can't snatch somebody's personal property and throw it uh, like feet away for it. I don't know if the phone was broken or not. 
And he may be looking at some sort of thing where he, he's going to have to write another check for damages for the young man's cell phone. You can't do it. I get it. I relate. And reluctantly, Yusuf Nurkic, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, big fella. I mean, the pressures I cannot relate to. But, again, you're making millions and millions and millions of dollars. And that's that comes with the territory. Just like uh, Russell Westbrook being upset with people calling him Russell Westbrick. Comes with the territory. You make the big bucks. I mean, I'm not saying that fans should do it because I'm not saying that at all. But it's going to happen. And because it's going to happen, you got to learn how to deal with it. So there it is. But before I let go, before I let go, go, again, want to thank you guys. Want to thank my man DJ Anarchy. He's been a part of this thing for a while, too. Want to thank DJ Damon. And I want to thank all of the folks who came to support. I don't know. I'm forgetting some folks. I should have wrote a list down. I never do. But thank you nonetheless to all of those wonderful people. couple things. Tom Herman was the guy I was thinking about early. And the number one tennis player in the world, Ash Barty, she retires. Got to make sure we get that in. We're going to talk more about that and Naomi Osaka, I hope, in the near future. Uh, but a lot more to come. I want to remind you guys, give us a call, 832-941-6614. Leave a message 24 hours a day. Please join us inside of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook and support the fan page. All of those good things. Thank you so much. And if you can't remember any of those things, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.